Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ah, yes, welcome along to the Shelter Sportscast coming to you from the back chat studios. Will Schofield, not in front of the camera today, he's actually uh, doing the panel, the uh, the man behind the scenes and making sure it all ticks uh, beautifully. Of course, that is the Southern River Band. They are uh, local lads out of Thorny. And this Sportscast, every Monday and Friday during summer, preview, review of all the best sport that's happening around uh, the town and the world. Socials at Shelter Footycast, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au, the YouTube back chat shelter footy cast with the playlist and of course shelter born and brewed in Bustleton WA I've been there I love it I need to get back there and so will our special guest World Cup we're talking and this man is a Perth Glory assistant coach he represented Australia on seven occasions played no less than 221 games for Luton Town he's played all around the world and I'm glad to say because I'm channeling my best scoey outfit today with just a pretty cage uh, Chris Coyne joins me uh, looking very relaxed Coyne great to have your company good to see you mate how are you keeping we're going really well and uh, we've got a lot to talk about and we thought given scoey and I normally sit in these seats if we talked about the World Cup within five minutes people know we were talking absolute shite so we thought we'd bring <laughs> in someone who knows exactly what's coming up over what's going to be such a huge month of football. Before we jump into uh, the the World Cup in Qatar, I hope that's pronounced correctly. As close (laughs) as you're going to get it, I reckon. There's different variations of Qatar. Um, I don't want to sound Indian the way I do that. Anyway, the big moment of the round. There's a couple. Let's start before we jump into the World Cup. The Cristiano Ronaldo interview with Piers Morgan. We know he's, if not at war with Man United... He's just about on the way out, isn't he? I think it's already past the war phase. I think that's um, him putting his point across because a player of that calibre, he's not going to go public, especially with something like that and, and how much he disclosed, unless he already had a plan of attack to get himself out the door. So I think those that's not an opportunity to come to a compromise now. I think that's done and dusted now. and I think Ronaldo will be looking for pastures new. I know he's such a huge name, but is it poor form? I saw, a, I saw, a, I think, a Twitter uh, video of, of him coming back into the chained rooms and he got a handshake, but the, the players, do you think that, that sort of, they, they turn their back on him to some degree after slagging the club? 100%. I think it's so disrespectful to your teammates. At the end of the day, you know, yes, he was one of the best in the world. You know, he, he was at a level that, you know, others could only dream about. 
but everyone gets to a, to an age where your body starts to decline. It doesn't matter how often you go to the gym. It doesn't matter how how well you look after yourself. Father time catches up with you, and then all of a sudden, the Cristiano Ronaldo of 2012 is not the 2022 Cristiano. And I think Ten Hag's done the right thing by the club. I think no club, no player can be bigger than the football club. And I think what he's done and how he's handled it, and it's only now that it's starting to come out that the two sides of the story, I think what he's done is the right thing for Manchester United. Yeah, so once you retire, so you, you don't train as much, you end up getting fat and you end up sitting on a, a couch talking about uh, on a and podcast. I, I'm wearing black because I heard it's more <laughs> slimming. So. So join, the, join the club, don't worry. Pretty we're much all, nailed it, buddy. We're with you, Corny. Uh, now, before we get to the World Cup, uh, Arsenal supporters would be on pretty good terms with themselves. Talk about Piers Morgan. He's a mad uh, supporter of the Gunners, and uh, they are just playing beautiful football. Yeah, fantastic. And it's... Um, Great to see someone else up there. And, you know, I think they've built from, from scratch. You know, Arteta came in, they were struggling. Um, the club bought into it, the fundamentals and the principles that he was bringing to the table. Yep. Can you hear me, bro? Nope. And then stuck by the coach through tough times, gave him time to build that that um, that team up. And some of the football they're playing now is just fantastic to watch. They're um, a real pleasure. And it could be their year. Uh, Man City with a blip on the weekend against um, Brentford. Brentford. Great game, fantastic game of football, but I didn't see that coming. And it's quite interesting watching it tactically. I think a lot of teams will learn off Brentford now because they literally eliminated Haaland by not giving him any space in behind. So they took his biggest asset away from him. So it'll be quite interesting to see what other clubs do now when they come up against them. That's what we, that's what we love in the Premier League when it comes about Amino a beating a Man City uh, at Etihad Stadium as well. Yeah. Uh, that is something that I think we'd like to see more of. But you're right, Arsenal... Uh, flying, and that's that's good to see. I think a couple of other clubs have been been prominent. Really, Newcastle started. Newcastle, yeah, big budget there. Eddie Howe's gone in there, and he's done a fantastic job. But same as any league, if you if you spend the most money, you're generally up there. So <laughs> when uh, these sheiks are, are getting the uh, oil money out, they, they put themselves in a position that they can compete. Absolutely, uh, and. The World Cup. Now, we're going to talk about the teams, the Socceroos, your uh, crystal ball coiny. <laughs> but but I suppose, on a slightly serious note, there's a lot of question marks, and there have been for a while, about Qatar being given in the Middle East this this honour of hosting a World Cup, given the human rights issues there. We know that migrant workers um, have been treated appallingly over the journey. A homosexuality is an offence in Qatar, and reportedly... Uh, 6,500 migrant workers died in the infrastructure building of, of, of this World Cup setup. You can understand why, you know, the likes of Rod Stewart doesn't want to perform there, why politicians, why uh, people who've got, uh, I guess, moral compasses have got issues with this event in this country. Yeah. Uh, listen, me personally, and it's my personal view, I don't agree with it. Um, I think that from the off, offset when it was announced, I, th- I think there was something. There was it was shady. It, it, it was so shady. It did. It reeked. And then you're looking at it. Having been to Qatar a few times to play there, we played in Doha for a few qualifiers. It's not the greatest. So they've then had to go and build these little satellite cities, and then to do that, they've got all this migrant migrant labour where they weren't housed properly, they weren't sheltered properly, they weren't fed properly. It's like, you know. Yes, they've got to expand the World Cup and go into South Africa and go into different countries rather than just going to European countries, etc., etc. But they've all got to, there should be a minimum criteria for me that they've got to meet. Yeah, you know, and if they're not doing things that meet an, an, a moral compass, then I think FIFA really need to have a look at you know or be a bit more transparent with how and why it went to went to Qatar. Yeah, I think there might have been one of the, the former FIFA bosses come out and said they made a mistake on that front. And just go back. Did we, 
Did we spend about forty six million? We went for these. We did th- this Come tournament. Play, yeah, Benita Monasiades, I think her name was, was the driving force behind the uh, FA um, application. So, I think we got into the last six or seven. We were never a chance. <laughs> nah, we were no chance. Not a hope in hell. And it was ca- the biggest waste of. Four. I'd rather take the forty six million offer. Yeah, I mean, but um, we were never getting into it. There was, you know, once the, it became apparent who were in that four or five or or whatever were left in it, you're sitting there going, you got no chance. No chance. It brings us to the World Cup. You're listening to the Sports Car Shelter. Great sponsors of this product here from the Backchat Studios. All right, let's jump into our World Cup preview. Chris Coyne, uh, former Socceroo, of course, as I said, uh, more than 220 games with Luton. Played for the glory, by the way, 32 occasions. So this bloke knows what he's talking about. And the World Cup, let's talk this up uh, in 2018, 3.57 billion people watched the World Cup from Russia on television. Um, this is going to be the Socceroos' fifth consecutive tournament at the World Cup. Uh, we're going to see 64 games, all on SPS. Uh, let's be honest, uh, nice to have one constant place to watch them. Uh, and it all begins November 21. Corny, this is, um, we've seen World Cups in, in T20. We see it in the one days in cricket. We see the, the Rugby League World Cup. This is the real deal. Yeah, this is the one, mate. I mean, you've only got to look at the crowds that the, the rugby and the, the, the cricket have been getting. You know, that buy-in's not really there, but you put this on a world platform with the superstars that are, that are going out there, you know, it, this is the one. Right, oh, Group D, and that is where we are. Is it the group of death or is it the group of uh, destiny for the Socceroos? We've got some tough opponents. We'll run through those. But as we see, our fifth straight World Cup appearance, but 17 players uh, finding their way onto this big stage for the first time. We've got France. We've got Denmark. We've got Tunisia. So let's start off with our first... Well, let's start off with the squad we've got. 26 yeah. players. And there's been some controversy in the build-up to, to the naming of it, there's been some injuries, and our journey to the to the qualifiers into the cup has been tough yards. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, all kudos to them for getting there because it's not an easy run. But um, I think that shows where our national team is at at the moment with how we struggled so much in that qualifiers qualifying phase. So it's it's going to be um, I'd, I'd say it's a group of opportunity group D. I think there is a chance there with Tunisia and Denmark. Um, France, light years ahead, but, um, you know, they, they had that tough run. And then the thing that surprised me, I mean, Graham Arnold's a very astute guy. You know, he's a clever footballing person, but um, you're going to a World Cup with players that are under cook that haven't been playing. Um, you're going up against your Frances and, and whatever. I don't think we're, we've got enough enough depth there. And there was a few shaky ones for me that Arnie selected, which... Um, I think could pose him some issues once he gets into those into that group phase. Well, one bloke he didn't select, and this is this would create an interesting discussion at the Christmas dinner table was Trent Sainsbury, who is his son-in-law. Now I'm not sure whether he is unlucky or whether I mean, like many players, probably just didn't do enough to get there. But there's some controversial omissions, you know, um, Taggart's out, Tommy Rogic, but it's the keepers, the goalkeepers that have really caused a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, a lot of criticism towards uh, the, the selection panel for this. Now, can you talk us through the whys and wherefores and whether they picked the right trio? Yeah, listen, it's it's always a tough one. And, and Arnie's in JC got someone that he works with, with John Crawley, works really closely with, and he's had a long-standing relationship with him. But it's just weird how Mitch Langrak announces that he's back into international football, comes into the fray, and at the 11th hour he's just been. But, you know, the rumours that I've heard or a few rumours speaking to a few of the boys is obviously that John Crawley's worked with all those goalkeepers, with Vukovic, with um, Redmayne and obviously Ryan. Um, so he trusts them. So at sometimes players pick themselves 
Now, do I agree with it? I probably would have took Mitch Langerak, but you could also argue that without Redmayne, we wouldn't have got to the World Cup for that that penalty save, the penalty save. So there's always that beauty of the game, isn't it? The, the difference of opinion. But for me, I, I probably would have taken Langerak. Um, massive European experience, um, probably at the peak of his powers now over Redmayne, but that's just my personal opinion. So 32 nations. Let's sort of break this down for those that are listening to the, the Shelter Sportscast for the first time or, or not as invested in, in the game as you are. You're not lucky to get there, but we had to do it really tough just to qualify. Is that a sign of where we are in the pecking order of, I guess, our our, our conference, so to speak, in, in terms of getting some, some leverage and some class into our team? Yeah, I think so. I think we're also seeing the curriculum that was brought into Australia by the um, Football Australia, and it was all very biased onto a Dutch and a Spanish system. Now, we're not Dutch and Spanish. We haven't got the, the, the talent pools that they've got. And now they concentrated too much on facets of the game that weren't Australian-based. So now we're actually seeing the, the repercussions of, of that sort of um, curriculum that they, they put through football. And I think we're going to struggle for a few years. That's why we haven't got Tim Cahill's or Kuehl's or Lucas Neal's or Brett Emmons. We, you can't name any players that are playing week in, week out in the Premier League or in Italy or whatever. Um, and I think that, and I, I really do believe that's down to the curriculum, and I think that's why we're going to struggle a little bit at this World Cup, because if you take Aaron Moy away and a couple others, they're, they're just not up to that, that next level. Yep, absolutely. Now, our best result, by the way, the round of 16 in 2006, some fond memories from that uh, performance. Our most recent, a group stage, uh, 30 of 32. So that's just, uh, we'll just quickly skip over that uh, and, and jump to, to, to match number one. Holy dooly, the defending champions, uh, France. And before we get your thoughts on that, uh, by the way, uh, Wednesday, 3am, uh, Scully will be up. He'll be just... Uh, just, just, just be getting in. Just to get, get the vocal cords up and about. 3am, um, that you're, you're a starter for game one? I should, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll get the divorce papers signed on, on Sunday and then um, <laughs> see, how, see back in a month. So It's a bit different. Hang on. The divorce papers are when you're on the drink and you, and you get home late. And this is getting up to watch a game of football. I know, I home. know. But watching every game and, and sitting there being an absolute nuffy for about a month, I reckon. So I'll tell you a funny story. I went to... Uh, I've got a feeling it was uh, the World Cup, a major soccer event recently, in the last couple of years. I went to the shoe bar about three or four in the morning and caught up with uh, guys like Tommy Morass and, and the boys. They've been drinking since 10 o'clock, so at five o'clock they're still on a, on a, on a pint. I'm going, gee whiz. I'm... Well, Tommy's got plenty of room to put it, hasn't he? Oh, yes, indeed. We digress, <laughs> so corny. We digress. Uh, France, 2018 champions. Um, the team has never won two consecutive cups in 60 years. And four of the far last five winners have been dismissed in group stage. So history is against them, but do they have the quality? Talk us through this this French lineup. Yeah, I do. I think when you're looking at that, that France team, you know, when you've got um, Mbappe, Griezmann, Giroud, Dembele, like we're talking world-class players here. We're not talking about players just making up numbers. So I think when you look at that sort of group A to D and the run they've got on that side, I think France are a real... Real good option. If I was having a punt, I'd probably have a look at them and a good option to go all the way. Um, bunch of talent, uh, plenty of pace, plenty of legs, um, good balance across the squad. So they're, they're, they're going to be um, they're going to be up there for me. Let's be honest. If we could get a draw against the French first up, that would be a, a massive tick, wouldn't it? It would be. It'd be a coupon booster for a few as well if they had a punt <laughs> on it. But. Um, yeah, listen, if the boys can go, and I think that the, the beauty of us playing France first and then going into Tunisia and, and Denmark, because by Denmark we might know, you know, we'll know what, what, what we need to do, but getting the, the current um, 
holders in the very first game, it gives us that opportunity where they haven't, you know, been. no one's been together for a long time. They haven't been in camp for a month beforehand. It's sort of like seven days and off you go. So there's the potential there where they haven't gelled and they haven't got their structures right and then we might catch them cold and they, you know, they just don't hit their straps. So I think it's the best time in that group for us to, to catch the French who I think once they, they get all their full players playing at full capacity, I think they're going to be unstoppable at times. Yeah, they're going to be good. Look, I, you know so much more about their squad. I'm going to break it down into reputations in nationality. Are the French arrogant? I'm going to put that down as one possible <laughs> uh, one possible explanation for some. For some, the Danes, Denmark, next team we're looking at. And let's be honest, uh, they're a, a talented team. They're top 10 ranked side in this competition. So they're, not, they're no easy beast. In fact, they're going to be so tough to beat because uh, they made it to the 2020 Euro semi-finals. Their best result, a quarter-final in 98. Most recently, the round of 16, uh, 11th in 2018. They've got Tunisia first up. We play them third yep. on Thursday, December 1 at 11pm, which is a more respectable time. Tell us a bit about the Danes. Yeah, good. Um you know, I was speaking to Musti Amini about him the other week because he played a lot of his football there in um, Airhus. Um, just tactically and technically very, very gifted pl- people. Um, but as a race, they're all behemoths. And they're all beautiful, aren't they? Oh, they're gorgeous. They're just a beautiful... Gorgeous looking. They are. <laughs> We're talking about the guys as well oh, as the girls. Yeah. 100%, mate. You've got to be open and honest there. You can't <laughs> open the baton and the bowl. But it's... Um, yeah, they're just, they're just the big, you know... Big bones, six foot four, six foot five. They're a big, big nation. So I think they'll be be a hard one for us as well. Yeah, Will Schofield's got a bit of Danish sort of sound about him. He's got the the tall big and looks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As for me, with the skinny white legs, hasn't seen much sun <laughs> and just battling away. But anyway, the Aussies will fight the good fight. Uh, so the Danes, they're probably second favourite, well, behind France to get through. They're the second ranked side in our group. Is that fair to say? Yeah, hundred percent. So I think us and Tunisia would probably be the two rank outsiders that if we did make it, it would be um, a bit of a shock. But France, obviously, key favourites. Denmark, close second. And then um, that's why I think it's good that we get France first up and then we get you know into that Tunisia game where the, there is a chance that we can win that game. So, you know, we keep the, we can control that des- destiny where in the last World Cup, we just got blown up, blown to pieces in the first two games and then we're always chasing our tails. Absolutely. So we've got Tunisia, our next uh, uh, country for discussion, on Saturday, November 26 at 6pm. So that's a... That's a get around the uh, the bar scenario yeah. and to make a night of it, I reckon. Uh, uh, let let me just say this, I'll, Corny. I'm always honest with you. When it comes to Tunisia and their football, my knowledge is zero. Tell me something. Ah, <laughs> uh, good God, what could I tell you about Tunisia? Um, massive French sort of influence. So there's in that sort of North African corridor there. There um because they were colonised, you know, previously, there is still that real European element to, to it. So technically very, very good footballers. Um, they just don't have the infrastructure, so they don't produce the players. But a lot of the players that play in France or play in Germany are from uh, Tunisian descent. So there is some good players there. They're just um, similar to us in terms of that they just don't have the depth of that talent pool. Yeah, and I guess in many ways this is our... The soccer is our big chance to possibly get the three points. Uh, Tunisia, by the way, have exited the World Cup uh, in the in the early stages on five previous uh, World Cups. They've only won two World Cup matches over the journey. So they're gettable if history 100%. is any guide. So, yep. um, yeah, let's hope they've got Denmark first up November 22. So at the end of the day, Australia just have to get a, a result of some some sort against France, but certainly against Denmark and Tunisia if we're to be any any silly hope yeah, of, of I think, advancing. Listen, as long as we're competitive against France, I think that's that's a bonus because, I mean, when you're paying 14-1 to one to win it, 
uh, in a two horse race, it's not great odds. So I think as long as it's respectable and they and they work hard in there, um, I think I do really think that Tunisia one, knowing what we need to do against Denmark in that final game, will be um, a great opportunity. Okay, let's have a look. A couple of the other nations that are worth uh, exploring in Qatar, as we know, the host country. Uh, gee, there'd be some pressure on them on and off the pitch, uh, especially their first World Cup appearance. Um, uh, what, what's your, your background on them in, in terms of what they might produce first up? Because there's always a bit of excitement in this situation. Yeah, there is. And I know when we were playing, we played Qatar, as I said before, in the World Cup qualifiers and um, rocked up. And there's two South Americans up front, like Uruguayan, um, who they'd obviously nationalised to play for, the, for the, the, the country. So I'm not sure whether they've got any in of that ilk, but what they were were fantastic players. They were, you know, big, again, strong um, people underrate like your Irans, your Iraqs, your Qatars. They're they're a technically very very good um, footballer nation, but what they don't have again is that depth. They don't have the numbers to then to back it up, which is why they're getting Uruguayans and and foreigners in through there. But with that expectation, they playing on their own, you know, home soil. Um, I know a lot of money's been spent by the Qatari FA to get them ready for this World Cup. So I, I think they could surprise a few. Okay, I honestly, do. Yep, uh, Ecuador. Um, now, their background, their best result, round of 16 in 2006, uh, most recently just made the group stage uh, in 2014. They've got Qatar, speaking of which, first yep. up. Um, just short, sharp, um, anything to big, worry about? Uh, yeah, they'll be a threat. They're a big footballer nation. It's religion in South America and having spent two months in Quito, I know what it was like over there. So I, I think Ecuador will go all right. Okay. Uh, Ecuador, uh, Senegal in a, in a nutshell. Lost money, so they lost their best player, so it's going to be tough for them. Okay. Um, the Netherlands, speaking of, uh, they have got a, a fantastic football background. Uh, can you believe they missed 2018? Uh, previously runners-up in 2010, third in 2014. They are a proven successful nation at this event. They're my smoky. Um, I think when you're looking at the groups A to D coming through, um, they're on that draw. So there's only England, France, Argentina, and then themselves in that on that side. So they're not actually, you know, they've got the easier draw, if that makes sense. So I think with the bird of expectation lifted off them, um, good young players, you know, your Van Dykes, et cetera, et cetera, with no pressure, because they probably feel that pressure that they've been, you're going to win it this year, you're going to win it, you're going to win it. Um, they can now go into it and play football without that that expectation level. And they've been runners-up three times, yeah. so they've been knocking on the door, uh, 74, 1978 and 2010. So... Um it's. I'm sure it'd be a, a story for the ages if, if the if the Danes could, uh, or Netherlands, should I say, should should get up and, and get a result. Now, this is going to be interesting. I'd like to hear your your thoughts and given your your background on the English and what they can do in 2022. You have to go back to 1966, the year that St Kilda won their only flag. I think decimal <laughs> currency came out in uh, Australia that year, but what is that, 34 plus 20, more than 50 years, and albeit it's only every four years, but uh, the English, where are they at with, with as they head into this World Cup? Because every every pom, dare I say, will be riding this uh, home. Yeah, well, I mean, English parents, but I'm a skip, mate. I, I can't, if I hear it's coming home one more time, <laughs> I just, shit you not, it, it kills me. So, are they a chance? Uh, yes. I think they've got a really, really gifted group, a young group that's been developed um, over the last six, seven years. England have won under-17 World Cups, under-20 World Cups. 
Um, they're quick, they're aggressive, they've got technically better as a, as a nation. So I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Again, they come from that weaker, weaker draw, but the potential is that they could play France or someone on the way through. So um, if you're going to win a World Cup, you've got to beat the best. But, you know, the problem is they might come across an Argentina or France or or a Holland on the way through, so it'll be um, a tough one. Yeah, they've got Iran first up on November 21. In a nutshell, who's the player to look out for in that, that English list? Harry Kane. Yeah, he's the star. He's the one. Yeah. When he fires, they fire. Um, he can, you know, drop in and get on the ball. He can play high, but he's the one for me that, that sort of is the conduit for that team. You mentioned uh, some of those nations like Iran. Uh, now, again, speaking of human rights violations, they're obviously a bit of a spotlight on them. Their best result of group stage, the most recent was a group stage. They've got the English first up, uh, and that's, that's a three points that England would like to put in the bank. But as you say, you're, you're a bit cautious on that one? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we go back to when we lost that World Cup qualifier against the Iranians. They're a big, big, strong nation. Um, and for us, it's probably the unknown, or for England, sorry, it's probably the unknown. They don't know any of the players. They're not in that sort of um Can they scout? Can you do a lot of scouting on, on... You can, but it's not the easiest place to get to, I don't think, Iran. So, I mean, <laughs> not, the, not, not the place not, you want not, to get not to. Not the Ayatollah's door to get in there, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things that they don't have the scouting mechanisms. Yes, you can watch games on tape, but it's not hard to know the ins and outs of the players. So they treat them with respect. That, you know, if they don't at their own peril, they could be, um, might not be coming home after round one. Yeah. <laughs> the USA missed out, of course, in 2018. Young young group, best uh, third place. That was 1930. Um most recent round of 16 finished 15th. They've got Wales on November 22. Fascinating the USA. I'm always interested to see what sort of team they can put together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got a bunch of athletes there and the MLS is now starting to take real shape. So I think they're, as we've seen with the, the, the Women's World Cup where the US were very, very dominant, I think it's only a matter of time before the US, US become juggernauts in that, in that field. You know, they've got a massive Hispanic and a um, lot of different ethnicities over there that, that obviously come from the round ball um, environment. So I think they a bit early yet, but I reckon watch this space over the next couple of World Cups. I reckon the, the Yanks will be up there. Tell us what it's going to be like because, of course, the USA play – Wales first up, and the Welsh haven't played at the, at the Cup in 64 years. They've qualified for just their second Cup ever. Um, quarterfinals in 1958 was their best result. Uh, they've got the USA first up. I can only imagine the Welsh are pretty passionate, and if yeah. they do get through to the past the into the group stage, uh, is it fantasy or reality for this this team? Listen, they've got they've got some ability. They've got some good players, the Welsh. But um, again, you're talking about a tiny country competing with the competing on the world stage. So, I actually hope they do well for all my tough mates. They've been crying out for um for their for their um country to get in there. And I think it's one of the best national anthems when they all get into it. I think it's a cracker when the the Welsh start singing the the national anthem. Oh, they have a crack, don't they? Give yeah. it a right go, yeah. The Welsh versus the United States of America. Uh, again, we're rolling through these sides pretty quickly, but Group C, Argentina, Lionel Messi, his final World Cup. But you know, who knows? Can he find the result here? Champions in seventy eight and nineteen eighty six. That's a long time ago for Argentina. I sort of envisage them being champions every every second or third World Cup but it's been a while for this group. Yeah it has been a while and I think because the burden of expectations has been on you know Messi's little back for so long. Um, I think what he has got now is a younger group that's come along for the ride with him so um, they'll be they'll be up there, they'll be there or thereabouts Argentina, they're, they're very tough they're, they play the game 
Uh, they're ruthless defenders. They do not. They'd kick their mother to win a game of football. So <laughs> they are ruthless. And then in the top end of the pitch, they've got that South American, that Latin flair where they can go and win games single-handedly. So good one to watch. Always a pretty pretty good on the eye. But um, I think they've got a squad that can win the World Cup. Yeah, speaking of good on the eye, I reckon they produce quite a few Miss Universes over the journey as well. Yeah. Argentina, <laughs> keep your eye out for them at the World Cup. Scully, you like that one. Uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, they come in as the second lowest ranked uh, country in the Cup. Um, nuisance value, hard to tell. Hard to tell. Couldn't tell you enough. Um, I'll have to do my research on that one, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. Saudi Arabia don't really interest me as a footballer nation. So. Mate, we want your honesty, Corny, and you've just given them the absolute arse there. Uh, Mexico, <laughs> they haven't made it past the round of 16 in seven straight World Cups. Is that a sign that they've got Poland first up on November 23? The Mexicans going to uh, get any further than those, those three matches? No. Uh, it's hard to say because they've got the potential to do it. Um, they always just get on the big stage and their backsides go and um, they lose games. So they've got the potential to go through, but I, I, th- I just think the Polish are a bit more um, pol- polished. Polished, <laughs> yeah. As my wife says, she's English, she says, I say, how do you say P-O-L-A-N-D? She says, Poland. And that's, of course, the way the English do. She's refined, I'm not, we move on. Uh, Poland, 2018, not great. Um, but the best result was third in 74 and 82. We've said Mexico first up. They should be winning that one, you think, and then possibly getting through to the next stage. I think so. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think them and Argentina will go through from that group. And again, they've got some good players in there. Poland, you know, they, they know what they're doing. And another physical side, they'll, they'll be able to beat Mexico and, and Saudi Arabia up, I think. Possibly uh, the favourites or close to it, Spain in Group E. Uh, they are just uh, built with talent. We know what they can do. They haven't really done much since 2010, but young side, champions back in 2010. And most recently, round of 16 in 18, they've got Costa Rica first up. Uh, the Spanish, they, just, they reek of talent, don't they? Oh, they stink of it, mate. Absolutely stink of it. But that's a group of death for me, Group E. Really? That's, uh, well, Japan, technically very, very good. They're... Um they're up there, the Germans powerhouses that always there or thereabouts. And Costa Rica, little old Costa Rica, when they um, you know, had a really good run in the 86 World Cup, I think it was, or it might have been Italian 90 when Bora Milutinovic was a coach. So they're not out of the equation. They've got some good individuals in there. So yes, obviously, you know, if you're having a punt, you'd say Spain all day long. Um, but that's the group of death for me. I think that'll be a tough group. And I think one of any of them could um, go missing. Okay, so 2014 Costa Rica advanced to the quarterfinals, as you said. So they have had a result in more recent times. So Spain first up, Germany. Uh, 2018, they were a bit disappointing. Uh, they've got a, a side in, in 2022 that uh, they're hoping to replicate what well, they did. By the way, in 54, 74, 1990 and 2014. But uh, that's winning the championship. But the group stage, their last result in, was 22nd in 2018. That, to me, seems an anomaly with this uh, this country that's so proud of their, their results. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think that golden generation that they had, you know, over the last 10, 10 years, um, they're now in a rebuilding phase. So when you're looking at the squad, they don't have those superstars in there. Obviously, Muller's still, still going, but he's now 32, 33. Um, so I think they're just in that rebuilding phase. So will they get through the group stage? Yes. Um, but I think they'll have to push themselves to get through it. I think it's going to be a tough World Cup for them again. You mentioned the Japanese. Uh, round of 16, their last result in 2018, 15th. They've got Germany first up. Uh, you, you've got a bit of admiration for them. I like the way they go about it, the Japanese. They're um, technically very, very gifted, um, but it's just the pace they play the game at. They play at a ferocious tempo, and the only thing that they do struggle with is the physicality at times. So... 
boys now playing at Ange Postacoglu Celtic, you know, they'll, they'll come back into it, so even though some of them missed out. Um, they're getting a lot more physical because they're getting more exposure to European football now rather than just staying in the, in the J League. So if they can compete physically, I think they're a real, real good chance, Japan, to, to cause that shock, like I said, with, with Spain or Germany potentially missing out. And Group F, Belgium, uh, third in 2018. So that shows you a bit. It's four years ago. So there's a, a big turnover, of course, in that period of time. But what are you expecting from them? Good team. Good team. Um, that This is their golden generation that's coming through now. So they had a decent group in 1990, um, but since then they dropped off and, and they've fixed it. And you, you've only got to look at your De Bruyne's and, and all them that have come through now. So they're um, they're up there. They're, they're a great talented, but they've got that talent depth, you know, that they can then call on others to come in. It's not just about De Bruyne. They're a, they're a good group. Okay. And uh, Canadians, I've got a very soft spot for the Canadians, given that's uh, where I was born. Uh, and uh, I could have qualified to play for them at some stage, except for a lack of talent. Uh, that just got him away there, Courtney. <laughs> yeah. But they haven't done a lot, let's be honest. Their first World Cup in 36 years. Uh, in many ways, uh, nice to, to be amongst the, the top 32 again. Yeah, I, I actually watched, watched something on their qualification the other week and it was quite interesting because it's like a backwaters type thing where they've, they've not been in there and they've been in the doldrums and all the rest of it. So I'm really happy that they've, um, they've qualified and they have got some young, talented players coming through, but it was, uh, it was a nice story the way they qualified. Morocco, uh, thoughts on them? Uh, tough group, as we know. Their best result round of 16 in 1986, Croatia first up for them. Yeah, uh, similar to Tunisia. They've got that sort of French influence, so they're, they're technically quite good, but um, don't often have that, that discipline that you need at this level. Croatia, can they replicate what they did four years ago and, and get all the way to the decider? Well, they've got the talent to do it. It's just whether an older Modric now, you know, they've got Kovacic in there, they've got, you know, Perisic, they've got world-class players in that team. Like, not one or two, four or five. It's just the fact that they're four years older now, um, whether they've still got the legs to run run tournaments out. But um, they could cause, they could go quite well. I think them and Belgium go through from this group. Um, but I think Croatia could have a good run at this World Cup. Off to Group G, we travel Brazil. Uh 1958, 62, 1970, 1994 and 2002, they just, they just know how to win World Cups, but only made the quarterfinals four years ago. Yeah, um, had a bad World Cup, to be fair. They just never gelled. Um, like I said, how we want to catch France in, in, on Wednesday night, they just, that just didn't happen for them. So they're my, I think they're the favourites. I think the bookies have made them favourites and favourites for a reason. You know, the, the talent that they've got through that team is just disgusting. And every single player plays at the top clubs in, in, in Europe and South America. So um, obviously Neymar bring that flair. Potentially, if he has a good tournament, he could get the player of the tournament as well. So if I was having a punt and I wanted a sure-ish bet, Brazil would be mine. Okay, we'll get your final selections in just a moment. Serbia, well, we've seen their passionate supporters. Uh, Novak Djokovic has been able to rally them at, from time to time. But can they get through what's a tough group? Their best result, fourth spot uh, in 1960 most recently. And they made the group stage uh, four years ago. But Brazil first up is a pretty tough uh, opener. Yeah, it is. It's a tough one. Again, it's probably get that better to get that one out the, out the way. So if they do catch Brazil a bit behind the eight ball, then um, for the, for them that'll be um, be a massive start. But they've got a, a lot of good players as well, so I'm expecting good things from Serbia. Hey, yeah, the Swiss knocked out France from the Euros going back uh, in a little while in time. The best results, quarterfinals, three occasions, most recently round of sixteen four years ago. Cameroon first up. The Swiss have got uh, a bit of something about them as well. Yeah, the Swiss go about go about it well. Um, they're technically good, and um, listen that. That group's going to be a tough one to get out of, but I think this, the Swiss 
and the Serbians will be fighting that out. I don't think Cameroon have got enough uh, quality to get them out of that group stage. Yeah, and Cameroon played Switzerland first up, and as you said, uh, they haven't got a lot to like about what they've done, uh, haven't been in the mix for, for a while, so we'll suggest that they, uh, they won't... Uh be able to win their first World Cup match no. in 20 years, two decades. Uh, group H, how many groups are there, by the way? Last last group, mate. <laughs> Just checking, going. It is the World Cup. <laughs> I know, but feeding them. We've given 32 nations. I thought, geez, holy dooly. We're going to go. Doing, doing well, mate. We are. We're trying to go through it. Scully's been great on the auto queue as well. Uh, Portugal, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Every eyeball will be on him. Absolutely, and hopefully you might see him in the A-League, eh? There's some speculation. Oh, well, he's got, has he got uncle oh, or auntie in un- Perth? Uncle's auntie's dog or nana lives around the corner. But, hey, we'll claim him. We'll claim him. We could do with him at Perth Glory. But, um, you know, I think, again, I, I said it to you early on, I think at 37, 36, 37, I don't think his body's what it is. Oh, geez. He'll still be the talisman, I think, for that Portuguese side. But um, I think he's made too much of the game about him. Yeah. Um, and I think that does rub off on your teammates at times. So I'm not expecting much from Portugal, I'll be all, be honest with you. Okay. Third place in 1966. So, yeah, they haven't enjoyed the ultimate success at all in their history. Ghana, uh, lowest-ranked side. They've, they've been pretty good on recruiting, but they've got Portugal first up. So it's going to be, where do you put them into the, the puzzle? Yeah, the interesting team. I think they'll do like Cameroon did in the 1990 World Cup. They're going to be a bit of a um, shock to the system because they haven't got a lot of players at big clubs, but they've got emerging players coming through. So again, they will go in there as young youngsters with no fear. Um, athletically, obviously very, very gifted, and they play a very dynamic and direct game. So that's another tough group, Group H, because um, I think Ghana could cause an upset, albeit you know their first game will be, um, be a tough one. Yeah, and uh, Uruguay, Australians know a bit about facing them uh, at the business end of the World Cup qualifiers. Two-time champions, they're first up against South Korea. They have got, and always have had, that uh, touch of brilliance about them. Yeah, they have, and they bring that South American. Like I said about the Argentinians, they defend, they're tough, they're so hard, uh, but they've got that flair up top as well, so they can hurt you in, in both boxes. So they're a massive... Um, Massive chance to go through there, Uruguay. And South Korea, very similar to the Japanese. You know, they're, they're technically good, but what they are, the, the Koreans is a lot more physical than Japanese. So they're, comp- they're prepared to roll their sleeves up and have a real crack at you. So another tough group, to be fair. That's why I think the winner will come through that group A to D. I think they'll have an easier run, sorry, but um, it's going to be a real tough um, tough draw for like the groups at, uh, E, F, G and H to get through. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing South Korean star Sun Hyung Min do his best work uh, through the course of the tournament. Fourth place, their best result. Uh, they are the group, uh, the groups that confront us, 32 teams. Uh, Russia, 2018 Qatar, it's going to be quite magnificent. Now, Coiny, we've done a lot of chatting about uh, the, the, the teams, the countries, A, your prediction for the Socceroos, how many points they can get out of that first three matches. Of course, three to win, three points for a win. You get a couple, I think it is. Let me just One check. for a draw. One for a draw and nothing, obviously, yep. you lose. So how many points can Australia get? And can we be in the conversation to advance in that last match against Denmark? Listen, as a proud Socceroos supporter, I'd, I'd like to say we'd get four points. But as a realistic football person I think we're going to struggle even to get a draw against Tunisia really I think we've got players like Suda undercooked um, like you alluded to leaving Trent Sainsbury out someone with that experience then you've got um, Boyle now who looks like he's injured and the replacement Marco Tilio is just on his on his way over there I think so I think we've got too many um, variables there that can go wrong and I think we're going to struggle because there's a game every three days 
Um, and if you're undercooked and you're not at that level like Suter and a few others, you're going to find it hard to back those games up um, in such a tough environment. So I think we're going to struggle a bit. Okay. A uh, couple more crystal ballers for you. Who wins it? Who wins the, the shooting match? Um Brazil paying six bucks. I think they're worth a shout. Um, and I think the Netherlands, where you'll get about 12 or $13, I think they're my smoky that are, you know, if I was going to have a each wire, let's call it, I think the Netherlands might be one that could um, could go well. Gee, you know a bit about punting. That's uh, it's my language being spoken here. Uh, I'm not allowed to bet on it, obviously, so I'm just looking for you guys so I can uh, try and earn you some more money because yeah. I can't go anywhere near it. No, I can go near it and I can uh, <laughs> do as much damage as possible. Uh, the Golden Boot, who's winning that? Um, Golden Boot, Golden Boot, Neymar. Okay. Neymar, Neymar, if Brazil win it, because he'll be on every free kick, corners, goal kicks, penalties, he'll be taking the lot. So. And off the back of that, players to watch um, can be from anywhere. And is there one Aussie you think might just, I mean, there's a kid uh, chosen yeah. from Central Coast? I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to bring it up. It's so good to see Qualls in there. It's... um. It's one of those journeys or those stories, you know, that you, it's unheard of. Now he's off signing for Newcastle, going to a World Cup. And I think from a, for Australia, you know, we saw Harry Kuehl's emergence. We saw, you know, how, how he came to prominence at such a young age. I think this is the next one um, that's coming off the, the rack here. So look, really looking forward to seeing him play. Beautiful. Uh, now, level. we know you've got a bit of a break in the A-League season with Perth Glory, assistant coach there. Gee, you've had some tough uh, away trips, but hopefully you can get back. And uh, it's uh, Macedonia Park, is that it right? It is. Uh, coming up, but it feels like an eternity before you get your first home game, but obviously you've got some challenges to get this glory side up and running. Yeah, we do, mate. Listen, we know what we inherited, and we knew that it was a rebuilding phase of the club. You know, it's um, you're looking at the squad that they had in 2018 and compare it to, it to what's there now. It's like apples and oranges. So we're well aware of that. Um, you know, we're, we're in a pretty good place with two transfer windows coming one in January and then one at the end of the season. We know we need to, to fill some more spots. So um, just grateful. Can't wait to get to Masso Park either. It's going to be retro. It's going to feel like the old NSL days. It's going to be good. Everyone's going to be on top of you. So it's going to um, have that edginess to it. You know, it's going to be um, good fun. Beautiful. You're listening to the Shelter Sportscast here at Backchat Studios. Righto, we need your country stories from sport, whatever it is, anywhere around the metro or the, the country areas, that will fit nicely into our show. But of course, socials at Shelter Footycast, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au, of course, YouTube back chat, um, the playlist from the Shelter Footycast. Also, don't forget, coming up in early December, uh, Scoey, this is going to be one to uh, ink into your diary. This is on December 2. The Southern River Band, it's a magnificent gig at the Shelter Brewing Co. and uh, Company in Bustleton. Tickets available on the events page of the Shelter Brewing uh, website, shelterbrewing.com.au. And there's DJ Genga, who, jeez, uh, I'd like to meet Genga. Is that a male or a female? I'm tipping it's a bloke, but, well, he's going naked. So I'm hoping it's, <laughs> hoping it's a female, but I'm tipping it's a guy. Going naked at well, the event, Coiny. So. I was going to go, mate. It's one of my favourite... Um, <laughs> Favourite distilleries, but I think I might give it a miss now. No, we're going to stick by the boys okay, and girls at right. Shelterbury. Who's going to win the World Cup? Scale? Who's winning the World Cup? You. My tip, uh, you've chipped Brazil. Brazil. Um, I'm thinking Argentina will break. Nice. They'll go close. Uh, they'll reckon. go close. I'm, yeah. You'll have England. Oh, with no, you're going going to be the one singing "It's Coming Home," aren't you? <laughs> Please. They've won the T20 World Cup. They're the one day champions. England ain't winning. The World Cup FIFA. Uh, Corny, great to have you ab- on board. Me, hopefully we'll see you through the course of the World Cup. Hopefully you're wrong. Hopefully the Aussies advance and uh, yeah, get I through a wrong, miracle. Mate. The I miracle in wrong. Qatar. Or Qatar. Depends how you want to say it. We'll catch you next time on the Shelter Sportscast. Thanks to Scoey for his work behind the 
microphone as well. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.